Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Horror Podcast. This week I'm joined by Kieran Collins and Rory Walsh. How are things, lads? Hi, Mark. Very good, Mark. Yourself? Very good. I suppose, lads, Seamus Flanagan described it for final of the ages. So we'll go through Limerick's thrilling win over Clare in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship final. Kilkenny secure three in a row in Leinster. Antrim surviving a major scare against Kerry in the Joe McDonald Cup. And we'll also look at the minor hurling championship. Clare secured their semi-final berth with a good win over Leash in Cusick Park. No, Rory, you're from Clare. And myself and Karen, originally from Limerick. Uh, we'll start in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship final first. Um, I suppose, Karen, you first. What's the reaction? What's the reflections after that match in Semple Stadium, Turles? Sure, look, I suppose we're, we're living on the crest of a wave and, and I learned just to enjoy it while we're in the good times because I know and we should know that they're not going to last forever. And the first four in a row Munster titles in 86 years, so I think this this bunch of guys, they're breaking all the records that were in front of them and uh, doing it with style as well. It's always a cracking, cracking hurling match. I think you have to go back years to to get one as good, especially for a final. It was a really tense encounter and you know, I think 14 times they were level. So I think that shows you how, how tight it really was. And there was never more than a puck of a ball between the two teams until the final minute. So, you know, so I think it just had everything, you know, physicality, intensity, like there was no let off. You're, you're there wondering, like, it has to die off, you know, they, they, like they can't keep going with this pace for 70 minutes, which turned out to be 90 minutes. And, you know, they did. Conditions aside, like, you know, they had to be in a big hamper on it. And it probably was in certain ways, but, I think in other ways it probably made the game as good as it did. I think what probably won it for Limerick was, and these guys would have been criticised earlier on in the in the league campaign, but the, the Limerick subs coming on, I think they're probably a bit more battle hardened and you know just kind of blended straight in physicality wise. You know there was no issue. David Reedy and Boylan, I thought it was really impressive, and and it's not for the first time this year. Graham Mulcahy coming in, I actually watched him for a few minutes and. Like he hasn't been scoring, but the work he's doing, just chasing everything and blocking, and you know he's just he's like a little terrier going around. He's just unbelievable. Uh, for for, for you know, for a guy of his age, the the work he does for the short times on the field is just immense. I think yeah, for that's what probably won it for Limerick in the end was Limerick's subs coming on. I think Clare's bench probably isn't as battle hardened. Maybe you know they're probably a few years Limerick probably a few years down the track more than what Clare are, and. The last seven, eight minutes, Clare would have lost Shane O'Donnell, Peter Duggan and Tony Kelly. So I think they're the, like, everything kind of revolves around these three guys and they're really important figures in the Clare panel. So finishing off without these three guys in the field had to be in a, you know, a negative for them. Yeah, just a, a cracking game. I, I was at the game, came home and watched it and it, like, it was no... Sometimes... You think it's better when you're there than you're watching it, but it was just as good live on TV. You know, it was just a, a cracking game. And, you know, I think people talking about or getting rid of provincial finals, you know, I think it just shows it it, it means so much to win them. And it's, you know, it takes a lot to win them. And, you know, I, I don't think that, I think it's bought hurling another 12 or 15 years anyway before that can, are, can be negotiated. Rory, we'll get you in here. Commiserations, Clare lads, but nothing to be downhearted about, really, Rory, here, given that performance from Clare. I mean, all the star guys really did stand up and deliver. Uh, just one of those days, really, kind of an extra time. 
fine margins. What were, what's the general reaction been in Clare post the game? I suppose, first of all, kind of immense disappointment originally because, you know, um, they had the opportunity, I suppose, being so close to Limerick throughout the game of maybe getting that famous win um, over, you know, the team that had been the kingpins of, of Ireland for the last, uh, well, since 2018, since they won the All-Ireland, really. I know they had to slip up in 2019, but still won the Munster Championship that year. So, you know, uh, then I suppose as kind of the week goes on and you begin to think more about it, what they've probably shown is again for the third time, third competitive game in a row between the league and the two championship games that they can go toe to toe in Limerick with Limerick, um, which shows the improvement this team has had um, in the Lohan era. And the second thing is like they're still in the championship. And one thing we mentioned last week is even from a Clare or Limerick point of view, kind of coming out of the game, um, no red cards, no major injuries to worry about. Um, I know Kelly limped off and Paul Flanagan, but they were both cramped. So um, you know, so you you have a full deck from both sides still going into the going into the um, All Ireland series, um, which really you know it would be a shame to even crawl over the line, win a Munster championship, and kind of blow your All Ireland hopes with two or three big injuries, which has happened teams before in the past as well, not just in hurling but in other sports. I think in Ireland in a World Cup against France one year where beat France but ended up with half a team going out against Argentina. So look, the main thing was uh, to to stand up to Limerick, show that they're you know, at that level. And do you know what, this, from a Limerick, looking at, at how Limerick played, um, I think this game, like, I was more impressed with Limerick in this match than it was in any game last year because Clare threw everything at them and had them at times looked in trouble and Limerick kept their composure. Um, the, you hear Kylie and, and Kinnerick talking about sticking to their process and they did that. They, stick, they didn't panic. They kept believing what they're doing would kind of, you know, get them over the line. And um, above anything, like, because the kitchen sink was thrown at them. And, you know, uh, more so than any game master, like we could talk about the game in the All-Ireland final against Cork, being one of the performance of the ages, but Cork didn't lay a finger in them. Like, this was completely different. This was, uh, as you mentioned there, like just a physical war of attrition, as well as super hurling as well. Like every single score was earned, apart from the couple of, of puckouts, where I suppose homework was done by uh, April Quilligan and Nicky Quaid, where they were able to pinpoint players in midfield half hour line. They were the only couple of, you could say, almost soft scores in the game. Everything else was was really earned. Um, so yeah, look, as, as as Kieran pointed out, an absolutely like extraordinary game. And at the game, I couldn't enjoy it as much because th- 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 it was just so tense the whole game. Um, even when Clare had that kind of patch in the first half where they went up to three points in a row and you're thinking, maybe, um, maybe you know, they can get the gap out to four or five points and really put Limerick under pressure. And then straight away, you had that super goal from Hegarty. And... Uh, yeah, I thought Claire responded to that goal really well. Went down, got the next point or two and kind of nipped ahead again. Um, so speaking about Limerick showing resilience, Claire showed major resilience as well. And I suppose they're coming from a different point as well. Whereas Limerick had been in these situations in finals in the last few years, Claire hadn't been in situ- you know, and I thought they handled the moments that went against them in the match quite well too, to bring it all the way down the stretch. And what a phenomenal sideline from Tony to just bring it to the extra time. And uh, last thing as well, just... Um, Kieran as well mentioned the bench and I, I thought Limerick used their bench a bit better as in like especially extra time they got the fresh legs out around the middle third Boylan came in around the half forward line whereas Clare seemed to like bring all their players into full forward line like you Rogers, Shane Meehan I know Shane Meehan worked back the pitch a bit and but I thought we were lacking maybe legs in the middle third I thought Shane Golden um, who had had a really good game against Waterford you know, could have come in and just uh, brought a bit of energy to the middle third again because that's in extra time where I think Willa Dunne who really came into it. Whereas in the in the game, in the 70-minute game, you'd have had to say that Ryan Taylor 
and Cahill Malone from a more destructive point of view, but in Taylor from like a hurling point of view had won that midfield battle hands down, but it switched an extra time then. And that could have been as well, just kind of the energy coming in around with, I don't know who from the bench. Whereas, uh, yeah, I thought maybe, I hate to criticise Lohan and, and, and superb job he's done, but maybe we could have used our bench that bit wiser. Because at yeah. the end, as, J- as Kieran said there, it was a decisive factor. I think you're right, Rory. Um, when you see Willows under who getting kind of dominated over, usually Limerick don't play well. I think everything, when Willows under who plays well, Limerick play well. You know, and that's down to what the work he carries out in and under. And the, the, he wasn't on top. And I think Dara Dunham wasn't on top either. And that's why... I think that's why um, Claire managed to keep Limerick and Aaron, you know, keep with them all the way. But look, at Lohan has done an unbelievable job, like converting Shane O'Donnell from a scoring forward to uh, like the workhorse he is back there now. Like he, you know, he he's involved in everything that goes forward. Uh, the work he's doing is just unbelievable, you know, for what would he, I would consider a small enough man. Like he, he's really throwing himself about and really effective there. John Conlon, I mean, Jesus, like, the, the move to centre back is just it, it's real magic like you know last in 90 minutes what's he 32 three years of age you know showing no no sign of, of uh, any lag at all really really impressive with Colin the battle between Cleary and Galan and like they were they were I was kind of you were watching it you were drawn to it like it was hard not to watch him and like the okay I'm sure there was a lot of underhand stuff going on but from both players but it, it, you know it was just Cleary was on him like. Galan couldn't go to take a free and, and clear he was on his back, like, you know. But I think the positive from Limerick for that then was Flanagan, I think, really, really clever the way he read the breaking ball between them, yeah. you know. So he I think he cleaned up off that off that duo, like, you know, so mm-hmm. and that's why like you've seen him score eight points. You know, a lot I think a lot of criticism for Rory Hayes, but like Flanagan is a very intelligent player and he's very, very hard to hold down because of his movement. Like he will work harder than any player in that and any forward line. I think that's why we saw Flanagan so much on top. But I, yeah, I have to just mention Tony Kelly as well. Like he is, I think hands down, I think harder the year so far this year. I think that sideline, like to to draw the game, you know, he knew it was the last play. Just put it, to, uh, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. Like you can't, you can't say any more about him. He's just, he's out on his own. He's in a league of his own completely. Yeah, great game. But I think it's up to Claire now to kind of, Get the house back in order, and you'd imagine they're going to be playing Wexford and, and get over Wexford and into Kilkenny, or yeah, looking at into Kilkenny and try and get back into an Ireland final because I think you know, based on the performance against Limerick in last Sunday, they're they're definitely probably definitely the best, second best team in the country on farm. Almost the best. Very close. <laughs> but uh, look, as well, I, I think Clare is a more perilous route now as well. And look, rightfully so, they lost the game. So, like, because Wexford, as we mentioned, they're coming off a buying performance against Kilkenny in Nolan Park. Um, and then you have Kilkenny, Leinster champions, if you get over that in Crow Park. We all know how difficult it is to get over Kilkenny in Crow Park. And um, playing Kilkenny would be another war of attrition again. Like, that's just a given when you're playing them, especially in an Ireland semi-final. So it is a more difficult route, Um and look, as I said, if you if you don't win the game, you should have a more difficult path. Um, so yeah, as you said, Claire just need to pick themselves up off it. Just an interesting thing, um, Rory Hayes. It was the one kind of performance coming out of the Waterford game. I thought Rory Hayes was in a bit of trouble on Desi Hutchinson, and probably wasn't it, you know because he'd been flying confidence wise. We saw against Cork, um, the roast and he gave Jack O'Connor um, out in front of him every ball, just attacked every ball. I thought that kind of 
that attacking part of his game, he was very hesitant um, with Flanagan, especially when you know the first ball or two kind of went Flanagan's way. And uh, I was kind of surprised there wasn't a switch made there or just something done because it was clear he was in trouble. And it just shows the difference in Paul Flanagan at the other side then, who's flying with confidence, was you know, really going ball-headed for every ball. And I think that's the way you have to play a cornerback nowadays. Um, if you're hesitant at all, the forwards are... The touch and striking and forwards are, are so good like that. If you're hesitant at all, you're in big trouble. And I thought for the first real time this year, like um, Rory Hayes had that hesitancy about what he was doing. And like, yeah, he, he paid the price for it. And again, uh, maybe that was another one that we could have maybe switched. Now, saying that, what happened in the second half then, Limerick were able to free up space in front of the full forward line. And the ball coming in then was, you know, different gravy. Like, so the clear half back line kind of got sucked out that bit more. I think Limerick trapped another, another man deep on puck outs and it pushed clear further up that pitch that slight bit because you could see like there was 30, 35 yards of space in front of Galan and in front of Shaney Flanagan, which wasn't there at the other end of the pitch. When Clare were attacking, it was a lot more condensed up there. So Clare were kind of relying for scores from, from a half-hour line midfield. Um, but yeah, it's made for an intriguing game. And um, I, I presume for the neutral point of view, uh, as we said earlier, maybe hard to appreciate and enjoy it when you're at the game and rooting for one side or the other. But for the neutral, like I saw Nick English saying it was his standout Munster final out of all the ones, and that's high praise, like um, from all the games he's been at. Um, so yeah, look, you just hope that from a clear point of view, he said they can bounce back and bring that level of performance again. If they bring that level of performance again, there's a great chance to be a, a three-peat, as the Americans would say, in the, uh, the All-Ireland final. But um but one yeah. thing, Rory, they were they were very efficient in 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 their shooting as well, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. I I'd say they might have only had one or two wides bar, maybe a couple of Kelly Freeze, had a few yeah. maybe on freeze and stuff. But like when like when they attacked in waves, like they were there was no wides, and I think that's what added to it. I think I think Kylie would focus in on like I think Limerick probably had a very few like definitely in the start of the second half kind of pinpoint. There was definitely four or five wasteful shots. Mm-hmm. I think Yalan missed a handy free. No, and look, and this is hard. It, we're we're kind of forgetting the conditions too, but Kylie is all about you know shot ratio and and wise and I think that's something they'll definitely look at because there was four or five wides that went to missing there, and you know in such a close game they can be pivotal like so you know but I think Clare were very impressed with how efficient they were especially in the first half. Yeah, and the, the funny one was the worst wide in the first half for Clare was David Fitzgerald who had scored three unbelievable scores from all angles and Huge. then he was twenty yards out and he kind of fluffed one over his shoulder. But, like, he's another guy as well that's kind of transformed under Lohan. Like, we're talking about the switch of John Conlon to centre-back, which which was a great move, obviously. But Paul Flanagan, like, wasn't given his debut until age 28, you know, under Lohan. Like, he's be, he was a sub who came on, but to ch- start in championship. So other Clare managers had, you know, looked at Paul Flanagan and didn't see him as, you know, a starter for the team. But Lohan, has, you know, has spotted something in him. And, like, he's flourishing now um, in the full-back line. And you run about the, the battle there with Cleary and Galan. And it was like coming away from the game because Galan had been so destructive kind of an extra time. It was only when I watched it back, Galan didn't get his first score from play until the 65th minute. Mm-hmm. So up until then. Exactly. Up oh, until he then, held him, yeah, yeah. He had, and now Galan had one couple of frees and laid off some great ball as well. It wasn't all one-way traffic there. But we were worried from a clear point of view that Galan would get goals. And the one time he broke past him, clearly made a great block, made a great hook, and Claire kind of recovered it. Um so yeah, look from if you told me before the game that um, Clare would hold Limerick to a goal, I'd have thought we'd have had a great chance of winning. But for the end, the exact same score as Ennis as well was was kind of you know it was uncanny, yeah. yeah exactly. But you have to mention the goal as well, like it was such a cracker, really, wasn't it? You know, like for Hegarty, for such a big man, the skill he has is just unbelievable. Like you know, but 
I think it was probably one of his poor days as well, you know, but mm-hmm. he, he gets through a mountain of work as well in the middle. Probably a lot of the... I think since Keane Lynch has been injured, Grote has, or Grote Hegarty has probably just stepped up. I think, uh, you know, he, he kind of everything goes down through the middle through him, you know, so maybe a lot of the work is kind of unseen, but yeah, great goal. It was an outstanding catch from Tom Morrissey as well, wasn't it, to lead up to that goal as well. And Tom Morrissey chipping in with three points as well. He's starting to kind of creep up in that scoring stakes as well, isn't he? I suppose Kieran looking ahead to Limerick, All-Ireland semi-final a few weeks now to prepare. What are you thinking in terms of positional switches here? I'm thinking in terms of maybe a Kyle Hayes here. Mm. I know there was talk post-game in terms of where's his best position within this Limerick setup. Uh, Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think Kyle Hayes needs green grass in front of him. I think he 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 looks frustrated in there. Like he he, he doesn't look comfortable, especially in corner forward. They, they bought him out, maybe centre forward, and he got one run a goal. But I think on top of being a threat going forward, he's he's a, as well. He's a top defender. You know, he's a real tight defender. So I think for me, hopefully we'll see Keane Lynch come back. I heard during the week Peter Casey has been. Uh, finally, you know, passed his final assessment, and I think you know, four weeks to semi-final. If he doesn't start, hopefully we'll play some part. Um, obviously, hurling lack of hurling will be his only downfall. But I think the, the uh, quality of these two players, if they do come back in, you know, it will enable Kyle Hayes to possibly go back. Who falls out? It's really hard to know. I think obviously, if Lynch comes back in, you'll see O'Neill drop out, but. If Kyle Hayes does slip back to wing back, is Dan Morrissey going to lose out? You know, or you know, so there's probably a lot of questions there. Obviously, a good position to be for Kylie. Yeah, I, I think Hayes. He, I think he's wasted. I think he's wasted when he's up in the in the full forward lane. And I suppose to give a special shout out to Richie English as well, coming in at a pivotal time, like Casey going off. And uh, in fairness, Richie English, you know, he performed pretty effectively back there in the full back line. Got a few blocks in was very kind of confident in terms of possession and distribution. So, as I said, so's bench being huge. But I suppose, guys, you know, we'll remember this game for an awful long time. Well, look, if if, if Claire do... Well, no, I don't want to talk about finals. It's way too early. Um, but just mention Kerry again. Like, uh, like this game is on in Tralee. Uh, are Kerry that far off of West meeting with Drew at Wexford? I don't think they are. And uh, probably, again, uh, coming out of losing the McDonough final, but with their comeback, their you know they're they're on a bounce as well, even though they lost the game. But just the fact, the character they showed, and um, the performance of Jordan Conway when he came on as well. Like there's another guy that that looked a serious hurler um, with serious pace as well, and that could be a threat to Wexford. I just think Wexford like don't want to be taking this crowd lightly because if Kerry get off to a good start with a kind of a, a buoyant home crowd, and you're going to have the hurling people of you know Ardfort and Causeway Abbey Dorney and all like coming in, this is their you know their big moment, a McDonough Cup game. Or sorry, an Ireland Championship game um, down in, uh, you know, down in Tralee at home to, you know, Wexford team that were Leinster champions a couple of years ago. So I, I don't I don't think Wexford should be, you know, any means looking at clear a week off. Like they have to go down and, and take Kerry seriously and try and get over this one first. Um, so and also as well, as we mentioned, they're just getting through the game on skates as well. Because um, a, a week, if a dead leg or anything like that, a week is a short enough time for a turnaround. So, um, yeah, like. I, I know I, I probably mentioned like it's a tougher route Wexford Kilkenny, but for Wexford at the same time, I, I think they take maybe carry it lightly here, too lightly at their pearl because if it was Antrim that Wexford were going up to, everyone would be saying you know the game may be fraught with danger for Wexford. But the fact that uh, 
you know, Kerry ran Antrim to a point kind of shows that and finished finished the game far stronger. So that you know they're not, they're not to be taken lightly. I suppose Kerry we can go to that Joe McDonough final really essentially that Antrim Kerry clash. It's probably one of the, we talk about the most senior hurling final guys, but I think this game. 522 to 424 has probably been a phenomenal game on its own right and its own merits, really, on a Saturday afternoon. Maybe didn't get the, the TV audience, maybe the uh, attendance in Crow Park that I really deserved, but an absolute classic. I mean, it was an absolute heartbreak for Kerry again. Third successive Joe McDonough final uh, last second in three years to Antrim. But again, Antrim showed some superb moments, goals at pivotal times, but Kerry refused to die and... You know, if they get just Sean Stack give uh, another maybe puck out, who knows might have happened. But Kieran, uh, incredible final. Yeah, nine goal thriller. Yeah, and look, I think there probably was an area Kerry had pinpointed like Antrim had scored twenty goals in the the five group games coming in, so it's part of their plan and it's something to do very well. So they bought a man back deep, but look, all credit to Kerry, they could have fallen three fourteen to one ten and a half time. I think it was just the case to carry around out of time because they were finishing really strong. I think the difference maybe, even though they've lost the last three finals in a row, this year, Kerry looks a lot fitter and I think they show that in the way they finished. You know, Steve Malumphy, obviously, he's an army man, so I think he's going to have these guys fit and, you know, I think they'll stick with him now and, and, and go again for next year. But you're you're probably looking ahead, looking at, you know, Leash are down there next year, so Leash, will, will they, it depends what way Leash are going to target it, but... There's no easy way out of it to John McDonough, I suppose. You know, whether it's Antrim or Westmeath, there, there's going to be a, a big obstacle to, to climb to, to come out. So, with some really impressive scoring from both sides, you know, to score Park Dyle, score 211 and be on the losing side, you know, it's, it's incredible, really. And, you know, some, some, some great hurling, some great goals. And the only, I suppose, going forward for the two teams is, you know, conceding five and four goals. Defensively, they'll need to tighten up, you know, especially against for Antrim against the Cork team, who, you know, who who would run would run with them at pace and 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 try and open them up, and you know, same for Wexford as well. So, the one thing I will say, like, I think it's very unfair. I think it's another negativity on the GA is like to play a week after like this. The Joe McDonald is there all Ireland final, you know, and to be for a game to be scheduled a week after. I just think it's unfair, you know. Whereas the uh, stretch it out to two weeks or, you know, let, let, let the team have a celebration. Like, you know, so these guys are obviously going to have a night or two and try and come back in and regroup for a, an important game for them. Like, I, I just don't think, I just don't think it's fair to the, the, these uh, Joe McCullough teams. Totally agree with you there, Kieran. Um, Rory, we'll bring you in there in terms of the Antrim performance. Congratulations to Antrim Saffron's for this uh, win. I thought they played some superb hurling, particularly in that first half. Uh, the likes of Conal Gunning as an absolute superb player, finished up with 111. Yeah, Clark, McNaughton, Watson. They have like a serious forward line here, um, Rory. As Kieran had mentioned, like 20 goals so far, and Joe McDonough before the final really did speak volumes. But I suppose if you're going to talk criticism here for Antrim, I mean, after a minute 46, they were 11 points up on Kerry. There did seem to be a, quite a collapse in terms of shape and cohesion from Antrim, particularly in that defensive to allow Kerry back into it. And would you be... Very concerned for Darren Gleeson heading into that Cork encounter in Corrigan Park on Saturday. Yeah, well, to begin with, watching the game, it looked like a, a Lee McCarthy team versus a, a Joe McDonough team. In a way, Antrim looked like they were too good for the division the way they, they started the first half. Super hurling, real crisp stuff, and tore the Kerry backline to kind of drag them all over the place, creating gaps. 
and uh, it was worrying like and and the collapse like even the way their whole style and we mentioned this before we mentioned it last week where kind of we spoke about how it had happened Kilkenny against Wexford and Antrim just started lumping ball up and uh, Mikey Boyle um, uh, Podge's brother from Ballyed Off was just like taking ball out of the sky every it was just it was, it was crazy really like because they, they were playing a style of Ireland that had Kerry in huge trouble now I know also Kerry pushed up and applied more pressure on the Antrim backs so things weren't as easy for them clearing ball but to like continuously you know lump ball down in the Kerry backs who, who loved the high ball like it was it was crazy. And then um, a big difference this year, I think, for Kerry is Podge Boyle himself, like, uh, as Kieran said, scored 2-11. And um, last year, they were a bit reliant on Shane Conway. Like, Shane Conway was held to two points, and yet, like, scores came from, from elsewhere, which is a big plus for Kerry this year. And as I mentioned earlier, Jordan Conway comes in, scores 2-2 in the space of 15 minutes, and just um, his pace really caused entrance problems. And I think one thing we know about Cork is Cork forwards have serious pace. Um, Kingston, Lahan, these guys, and you're just kind of looking at the matchups, going, um, yeah, that that backline are going to be in big trouble against the Cork forwards. And I know Carrigan Park has been a fortress and the whole lot. It won't matter. I don't. I don't think it will. Um, with with the kind of where Cork are strong is where Antrim are weak, and that's going to be forward line running at the Antrim backs. And so yeah, I, I'd actually give Kerry a better chance of causing an upset this weekend, or even at least getting closer to Wexford than I think Antrim will to Cork. The Cork team has been announced tonight as we record this podcast, and the big news coming out of Cork is Patrick Horgan, the record point scorer in Senior Hurling Championship, has been dropped to the bench. Again, you have a, a forward line of Robert O'Flynn, Seamus Hardiney, Shane Kingston in that half forward line. Tim O'Mahony comes in from the start at 13, Alan Connolly and Conor Lehan. Rory, looking at this forward line unit, does this look like a unit that could pose serious problems for Antrim and going deep into this All-Ireland Championship series? Well, it does, and, and the inclusion of Tim O'Mahony from the forward line gives him a different dimension. He's not going to play a corner forward. I'd say he will be either moving from the edge of the square to kind of coming out into the half forward line as a fourth half forward where he can kind of get get running at, at teams. And, um, yeah, look, it, do, it does look like a, a potent forward line. Um, I suppose the question mark we'd have had over the Cork forward line wasn't their ability on the ball. It was kind of their ability off the ball. I think Connolly gives them that work rate as well. Harnady, as we know, is one of the workers. So they're starting to get the balance right. Um, you know, which is probably a bit worrying for other teams. But, uh, yeah, I think from an entry point of view, like, the, it's... Now, uh, they will, again, home crowd and everything, they will try everything at Cork. And, again, they need a really good start to make a match of this. If Cork starts with a couple of, of quick goals, like, this could be complete one-way traffic. But, um, yeah, look, hopefully Antrim do do perform and show like show that the second half was a blip and a lack of concentration, thinking they had the game won down in Crow Park and that they are better than that. Because up until then, they kind of showed that they were you know, the standout team in, in Joe McDonough. Um, so, yeah, let's hope that, that that is the case and they'll be much tighter at the back against Cork because they're going to have to be. Yeah, it should be an absolute sellout. I think it is a sellout in Corrigan Park anyway already uh, for that match. It's going to be a superb occasion for anyone associated with Saffron Harlan. Uh, so I think best wishes to Antrim. But maybe going back to that wexford Kerry game, I know, Karen, you're based in Wexford. What's the team news like in Wexford leading into this? Any injury concerns? Any kind of thoughts that Darry Egan has been expressing to local media about this Kerry challenge? There actually hasn't been a word, Mark. It's been very quiet. I think the last two or three weeks, it's been closed doors. Uh, I'm sure they're preparing for Kerry as they would any game. But I'm, I'm, uh, you'd imagine that those eyes are further ahead looking at Clare. 
I'm sure after the, the Kenny game, do we be on a bit of a high? And actually talking to one or two the other night, that they half fancy themselves against Clare, you know, because the I suppose a two week turnaround and sore bodies, you know, you'd imagine Clare wouldn't have done much this week in training. So it doesn't take much for the extra cows now to get a bit of hope together. So, but yeah, they would be a, a serious threat. All the same for Clare, you know, to to get over. Look, I I expect Kerry to probably give Wexford the game for definitely the first half and maybe into 40, 45 minutes. But Wexford probably strong enough to pull away. You know, they've had a couple of weeks break now, and I suppose any niggles or injuries are probably sorted out, and they're probably raring raring to go for the next stage. I suppose, guys, can we get a few predictions out from you? Um, do we see any upsets here? I suppose we'll start with uh, Corrigan Park, Antrim v Cork. Um, okay, I, I I see a heavy win for Cork here. They're, they often, like, they've been in these situations before against Joe McDonough teams. I remember them going up a couple of years ago. I think it was, was it to Leash, and they put something like eight or nine goals past them. Like, So they are ruthless against the uh, the weaker teams uh, coming through. And look, they... Uh, yeah, it, it, I just kind of see this happening again. Um, even though, like as you said, Antrim ha- have and entitled to celebrate, you know, getting their Liam McCarthy status back, getting back into the Leinster Championship after winning the they went down to win the final. I know they we spoke about that collapse in the second half. They did win the, the trophy in the end. They brought the Jumbo Cup back up to Antrim, and you know, the, but there there would be an element of celebration and everything like that. And uh, it is a free hit for them. But I, as we for. And the reasons I gave earlier, I just think that that Cork forward line are going to cause them huge problems. So, big win for Cork there. Maybe I think Kerry might be that bit closer, but when I say closer, it'd be like if they get sing- single-digit defeat at the end of it. And as Kieran said, after shoving it up to Wexford, giving them a, you know, causing them a bit of a fright, I think, you know, that would be a, a big performance from Kerry from where they were at the start of the year to, you know, perform really strongly against the... Uh, you know, a, a team that would fancy their, their chances still in the championship. I think for for Cork, I think it'll be a case of to see how they go at both ends. You know, um, they're a team that were very low on confidence not so long ago, and it's going to build up over a short time. And I think dropping Pat Horgan is obviously a, an intent, maybe of like a trial to see how they would go without him. So I suppose in that regard, you might fear for for Antrim's backs facing like we know how how quick and and deadly this Cork team especially the forward line can be but I suppose at the other end Antrim knows to score goals scoring 20 goals 20 25 goals in in five games now so it'll be a test for Cork at the back you know and that was probably where Cork have their frailties so I think it'll be a test for Cork at both ends but you know what better way to build confidence and to keep the Momentum going, then a, a heavy defeat, rolling into a Galway, a, you know, a Galway team who would be hurting after the Leinster final. And in the um, Wexford Kerry, like, yeah, I think Kerry obviously are going to be hurting over last weekend. And, and really, they weren't far away. They just ran out of time in the end. But I just expect Wexford to be too good for them. They might put it up to them for, as I said, 40, 50 minutes. And Wexford will probably pull away. And uh, with eyes, I think both teams will have eyes on, on next weekend. Yeah, I think I'd go along with both of you on those predictions. I think the Antrim performance would be probably the more curious one because they have an outstanding forward line. And as you say, Kieran, that court back line is still not settled, particularly in that full back line. I do expect goal chances to be created from Antrim, particularly with Gunning, Watson inside as well. Remember when Antrim played Cork the last time in an All-Ireland series, Watson had a superb game. I think he was man of the match a few years ago. So, I mean, Antrim will come 
you know, as you say, it's a kind of a free hit for Antrim. But yeah, I would kind of lean towards Cork and Wexford getting into the quarterfinals. I suppose we can get, I suppose, <laughs> maybe we kind of introduce the Leinster Hurling final being kind of down the pecking order a little bit from Munster Senior Hurling Championship to Joe McDonough. Now we're getting to the Leinster Senior Hurling final, and I felt very underwhelmed. I was down in Kilkenny last weekend. Uh, saw a few of the Kilkenny players walking around Kilkenny on Friday evening after the team was announced. Looked pretty confident, and to be fair to them, on Saturday evening in Crow Park, they did produce a very professional performance, I would say. Probably scope for improvement against a very misfiring Galway outfit. Rory, uh, what were your impressions of the final in Crow Park on Saturday evening? Yeah, and it was something we mentioned last week, how we were looking forward to it, kind of a, a Saturday evening game, sitting down watching the Leinster final, what we thought would be two great teams producing a cracking game, but it was, you know, it, 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 it turned out not to be that cracking game we expected. Uh, Kilkenny just brought their, you know, usual doggedness to the game, this, like, they outfought Galway, and that's kind of the main, when the game was there in the melting pot, like Kilkenny had that more, I know it's very simple to, bring down a, a hurling game with all the tactics involved and everything to will to win and fight but Kilkenny just seemed to have that bit more fight in them and um, and w- one thing like that we all kind of know is if you have to beat Kilkenny you have to match them that way first of all and I think uh, the sad thing is and I mentioned this, I think Galway have the better hurlers um, but they just lack that and it was the one worry we had going into the game with, about Galway that they uh, can be flat in finals and when things don't go against them as we saw against Dublin in the championship last year and to, uh, against Waterford, to uh, another extent, although they did launch a bit of a comeback in the second half there, is some, guy, some guys seem to down tools when things aren't going well, and that's not a great sign of a team, and it's not something Henry Shefflin would have been looking to instill in them either. So you're just hoping that they pick themselves up and really have a say yet in this championship, um, like the car game is going to be tough for them. But during the course of the game as well, like there was a couple of times where we mentioned at the start where Galway had goal chances, and... Uh, if they had got a couple of those chances, it's a different game then. And sometimes a game can swing in moments like that. Um, Galway got ahead of Kilkenny and had that confidence up then early. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't have been a situation in the second half where they were chasing the game and every time they kind of seemed to get within three, four points, Kilkenny, Kilkenny responded. And yeah, it, it, they kind of petered out in the second half, to be honest, the Galway challenge. And uh, from a, you know, from kind of an armchair neutral point of view, watching it like it, Especially after with the what we saw the next day in Turles, it just it just seemed like a almost like a, you know it's like when you go to a club game and see a senior club game, intermediate club game. Now that's that's nothing to take away from Kilkenny or Galway. Like they're they're at very close to maybe at Clare's level anyway. We'll find out when we meet Kilkenny if we get that far. But anyway, my point being that just uh, even the the scores in the game that we didn't see the quality of scores we saw from Turles and. I suppose uh, you could say Kilkenny didn't match the intensity of Limerick and the intensity of Clare, but Galway certainly didn't. Yeah, Karen, bring in there. I mean, from a Kilkenny performance perspective, maybe a shaky opening 10, 15 minutes where Galway did run at Kilkenny's defence. I counted at least three goal scoring chances squandered by Galway. But in fairness to the likes of Paddy Deegan, scores two points. Adrian Mullen as well in midfield. TJ Reid, just absolutely deadly accurate, gave an exhibition on freeze. They just literally ebbed, you know, just kept the scoreboard ticking over. Mightn't have been spectacular by any stretch, but Galway did really struggle to find anyone apart from Conor Whelan in, in open play to score. But it was a very efficient, I thought, performance off Kilkenny after minute 20. Yeah, I think once it all settled down, I think what it, what it was was that the two teams' defensive structures actually held well. And I think what it forced the two teams to do was just to shoot from distance. I think there was like... 
there was no way through either side and it was just having pot shots from from long way out and i think he possibly Kilkenny just had the better you know stickman better strikers i think adrian mullen in midfield i think he's done really well the last few games for him he scored a couple from play yeah it's, re- it's really hard to take a positive especially from a goalie point of view tj yeah he was any angle any distance he seemed to nail him and Caught a couple of high balls there, which are absolutely incredible. Back to what he, we know him for, to do. I think Mikey Butler, you know, we talked about Cleary and Galan, but Mikey Butler and Mannion, like, you know, he followed him everywhere. You know, he didn't give him an inch of space. And I think it's Joel, I don't think Mannion actually scored. I think as well, uh, Cooney had a lot of, I think, bad wides from freeze, you know, especially in the second half there when they were still in the game, you know, and I suppose they were never or out of the game, but... A couple of frees I kind of noted that they were, you know, definitely should have been taken and would have bought them into one or two points and they just didn't convert them. And I think once that shows Callaway and how they just basically give up, they scored one point from play in the last 30 minutes, you know. So I think that's that's a stat that'll tell its own story. It's, uh, sorry, eight points from play from 23 shots at goal, you know, so very wasteful as well. And I think they really struggle and long, they only won nine on the 23 long puck cuts. Now, I know Galway teams in the past probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have been concerned about puck cuts and they would have won the ball back on turnovers. But I think Kilkenny were probably a bit more, um, you know, probably a bit more efficient the way they worked the ball through and, and just Galway didn't get to it. But, you know, I think you just question where do Galway go from here this year? Like, Chances are going to be coming up against a, probably an always confident Cork, but Cork who are on a bit of a, a roll, considering you know how the results go at Antrim, but probably at different spectrums, you know it's it's really hard to know how they're going to go. I think you you'd fear from if Cork get through Antrim, Cork bring that run and attacking game at 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 uh, Galway, you know it's um it's hard to know how they'll react. There, this isn't the, this isn't the new for Galway, you know we've seen it all through the years. Where one day Galway come out and they're just top of the game. You know, you're you're having them as All Ireland contenders, and then just 70 minutes later, they're um they're a complete different team. So it's really hard to know what goes wrong. You know, even from the from the round robin games to now, you know, they, they just looked a complete different team. Uh, even though they hadn't, they have been going fairly well. I think as well at uh, mentioned Keenan Fahey, the stamp. And Richie Reid, uh, there's literally there's no place in hurling, you know, and I think that needs to be dealt with. And there was, okay, there's a couple of uh, incidents in the Clare Limerick game, but I don't, not into that, to that intent. Uh, you know, I just think you know, from GA, they definitely have to deal with with stuff like that. We don't want to see that in the game. That issue may come to a head pretty soon, I'd say, Kieran. I suppose, Rory, onto you. I suppose <laughs> you learned from your losses, and I suppose Henry Shefflin's probably learned plenty about the Galway psyche, and probably culture in terms of maybe a provincial final not going their way after Saturday. Do you see any positives for Henry after that defeat? Yeah, absolutely. Like, as you say, and you're dead right there, you learn more from your losses. And Cody learned from the Wexford game. Uh, the half-forwards dropped back and the Wexford, the Kilkenny backs coming out with the ball then were looking for their half-forwards, so, you know, who would track back deep. And that made a big difference in the game. The few times they did lump the ball along down on top of Zahi Burke and Scrooge McNerney, they lost possession. So that was like, you know, far rarer did they hit kind of long hopeful ball like they did against Wexford. They were a lot cuter with possession. 
And uh, as Kieran pointed out, when Galway lost those buckouts, it wasn't like they were turning ball back over again. Kenny were a lot more shooter in possession. But then, from a Galway point of view, I think, yeah, Shefflin should learn a lot from it. I thought the use of Mannion was quite poor, as Kieran pointed out there. Butler kind of had his number, and they should have maybe put Mannion into the full forward line for a while, I thought. Put him in there where he can be a real threat, because you know, his he, striking ability is incredible. Like, it's probably close to Tony Kelly in terms of striking and scoring points from all angles, but he just couldn't get him on the ball. Like, he... He was so well marshaled, he had an, an, an inch of space, and maybe by putting him in the full forward line and freeing up a bit of space in front of him, they could have tried to, like, at least would have tried to get him in the game a bit. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't, like, it was a very disappointing defeat for Galway, but sometimes Galway, when they're kind of written off then and there's a bit of pressure off them, can be dangerous. And, uh, yeah, the Cork game would probably see it as a 50-50 game with them because um, Galway won't fear Cork at all, and they'll think they'll have their number as well. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be an intriguing game. Um, should Cork get over the Antrim game up in Corrigan Park, which we kind of expect they will. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't write Galway off just yet. Like, And I think they'd be more of a danger to Limerick than Cork would. Um, Cork have failed to really mount a challenge to Limerick in, in, in any time that they have met them. They, they gave Limerick a bit of a challenge in Munster Championship last year, but fell away in the second half. All Ireland final in Munster Championship this year, you know. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I, I think Galway would probably be a bit more of a threat to Limerick. But at the same time, like there is a lot to learn. As we said, Cody, the master of, of learning from defeats, um, did, you know, rejing things for, for the Leinster final. And the question is, can Shefflin get that from Galway? Can he make them a better team now the next than they were in the Leinster final? And I'm sure he can. I, I agree with that, Rory. I, I think for Galway defensively, I may have been critical of Ian and Murphy in terms of distribution last week, but take nothing away from him. I thought he was very solid, had a great save there in that opening period uh, from Kilkenny. Backline as a whole played well, but maybe the distribution was a little bit off. They'd won an amount of ball there, particularly in that half backline. I thought maybe distribution inside. Brian Concanon really didn't really get much quality ball during his cameo. So I think there is scope for improvement there. And it has been quiet here in Galway, in that Galway camp. Now, locals are kind of anxiously waiting in terms of the Fahey incident, particularly. But again, we haven't heard much uh, as we kind of go on air here. So, uh, We'll assume that he's free to play because he played himself and Whelan scored six points from play, uh, which was kind of, you know, probably a positive that those two guys did well. But, I mean, from a Kilkenny perspective, I know TJ Reid scores at 12 points, but Kilkenny forward line only contributed three from open play. I'm just thinking in terms of an All-Ireland semi-final here, Kieran. Really, you can't be overly dependent on your free taker, Reid, to be kind of winning a championship game in an All-Ireland semi-final, given the scores that we're seeing in Munster particularly. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's strange as well, you don't, you don't associate Kilkenny winning games without scoring goals, you know, so I think that was a testament to how tight the both defences were when you look at the scoreline. But yeah, Kilkenny, I think Cody is getting a tune out of these guys. Like, on paper, they probably shouldn't be winning three Leinster titles in a row, but I think they're just, he, you know, he he's, he's playing to their strengths and, uh, you know, they're they're hard to beat. They never give up. They have that attitude where they play till the last minute and uh, they will be hard to beat. But you, you, you'd imagine if um, the bigger teams like, you know, Clare, Limerick can come at them, that, you know, can they offer any more than what they're offering now, you know, if the pressure comes on. And Mark, yeah. one thing I suppose we mentioned before was with Galway, uh, leadership up front with Joe Kenning's retirement. And, it's grand showing Joe you know, leadership and maybe around Robin game where it's not, but I just thought in, in finals is when or semi finals knockout games is when Canning 
you know, really stepped up for Galway and taking up the performance against Tipperary, where he dragged Galway over the line, the Ireland semi-final in 2017. And, like, there was a distinct kind of lack of leadership, I thought, uh, apart from Conor Whelan inside there, um, especially from the half-forward line. And uh, when you read it, like, when Kilkenny needed it, they had TJ Reid winning that dirty ball, a couple of, of great catches and puckouts, and it just wasn't happening at the other end, right when the game was in the melting pot. And I think that's something Henry might try and rejig as well, as just you know, try and identify again what leadership you might have and, you know, get them into the pivotal positions in when the game is in that melting pot in, in, in future. Because I, I thought it was kind of evident in the second half that the Galway forward line lacked that leadership, whereas, like, you know, we know Tahi Burke and, and Garod and these lads in the backs have that, you know, you can question leadership in Galway back line, but it, again, it's still a question mark hanging over them now going into the All-Ireland series. They seem to be over-reliant on Whelan, really, don't they, for that leadership up front, you know, and you'd, you'd worry that if, if, if Whelan couldn't play due to injury, like, and it came to a big game, you know, who would be there to stand up, you know, but, I yeah, I think, I, I, actually, we probably just mentioned him in passing, but I think Mikey Butler is just turned out to be just, you know, I think he's up there now with Sean Finn and, and Rory Hayes, like, you know, I just think he's incredible. It's been the year of the cornerback, really, Kieran, hasn't it? Like when you mentioned those three guys, they're probably the three guys you'll wax off like liter- lyrically in terms of performances this year, really. And I think actually we're we're probably quick to Barry Nash. You know, I think he's probably up there with them. You know, every bit as good as him and doesn't get the plaudits that uh, he probably deserves. And, and clear send out back the last day, Paul Flanagan, another cornerback as well. So yeah, definitely the year of the cornerbacks. Maybe an underwhelming final when you compare that to Munster, John McDonough, but. Again, can't say nothing about Brian Cody. He secured another Bob O'Keefe. And something, Mark, as well, we, we kind of mentioned last week was just the, the lack of crowd at the game. And this is the GA's own fault here, putting this game at 7 o'clock on a Saturday. We mentioned uh, the problems that there was going to be, which called by support in particular, coming into Dublin that late, um, Joe for a game, obviously wasn't going to suit any families. And um, I think that all added to kind of, uh, you know, and, and even Kilkenny, uh, players, ex Kilkenny players, I heard Brian Hogan saying that, you know, going to Leinster finals for years and just kind of often has been this huge occasion. Uh, we think of Wexford uh, winning, Offaly winning Leinsters and uh, you know, back in the 90s. And then this was kind of, a, as we mentioned earlier, a bit of a kind of a, a damp encounter for a Leinster final, you know. And I think that, that definitely was a factor in it, the, the timing of the game. But I think as well, uh, it's a case for not to be played in Crow Park, you know, played in a smaller stadium where you can build more of an atmosphere. Like, you know, with a small crowd like that in such a big stadium, you know, um, there, there can't be an atmosphere, you know, like with the likes of Tullamore or, you know, somewhere like that in Midway that would, um, just uh, 25,000 would, would, you know, probably just make a better spectacle of it, I think, really. And speaking of that, like, I think the GA are crying out for maybe a big stadium right in the middle of Ireland. Like, you know, somewhere, I don't know, in Athlone or... or, or even develop Tullamore, bring up the passy a bit more. Um, like, and Tullamore is a fine ground, but just maybe have a 40,000 modern stadium somewhere in the middle of the country as well. So not everything has to be dragged into Dublin, especially for a game like, let's say, Galway versus Kilkenny, um, where, you know, you would pack out 40,000 people if it was in a neutral venue at, at a decent time. Um, but yeah, how kind of, it, it was actually like, a, it reminded me of one of the COVID games last year where there was only, you know, 40% attendance. It was kind of that feel to it, wasn't there? Certainly, and I mean, you had a few Antrim and Kerry supporters obviously there from the previous game, but they whittled away pretty much second half-wise. It was very much a very eerie silence, you know. Some of the scores 
pretty much greeted with you know pretty pretty mute responses but i'd maybe go one step further and say if you're doing a round robin surely the top seed gets home field advantage for your provincial final i know that mightn't work either you know logistically home and away for certain county boards but it would be a massive incentive in terms of being a top seed it was hard enough to get a ticket for the Munster final in Perlis. Imagine if it had been up in Ennis. <laughs> yeah, down in Cusick Park, you know. It would be down in Dunn stores or wherever, you know, outside the grounds, literally climbing up roofs and stuff. But, uh, yeah, maybe I'll chalk that one off. Um, I suppose we can move on to the minors, guys, uh, in Cusick Park. Ennis. And I suppose this is another example of maybe massive fixturing, scheduling masterclass from the HQ. When earlier on Saturday afternoon, we had the Clare Miners against the Leash Minor Herders. And then a few hours later, we had the Clare and Mead footballers in the qualifiers. But I think we'll focus here on the Minor Hurling. Rory, you're at the game between Clare and Leash in the Minor Hurling Championship. Uh, a great win for Clare uh, over a very dogged Leash outfit. What were your, what's your reflections on the game? Yeah, like we, we from a Clare point of view, kind of knew what Leash would bring. Like they had been very consistent in, in Leinster beating Wexford, beating Kilkenny, giving Offaly two good games, and then running Galway to three points the week beforehand as well. And um, putting real pressure on Galway at the end of that game. Um, Galway were kind of, you know, lucky to get out of that one. And uh, this was a Galway team that had hammered Clare the previous week. So you're, if you were looking at results and trying to read a form line, you'd nearly be thinking Lee should be favourites going into it. Clare played with the breeze first half, thought they played really well in the first half, um, really opened up the Leash back line. Um, led by 9-10 points and they were good for that lead and uh, started the second half then um, first 10 minutes playing against the breeze Clare still dominated and had two really good goal chances another one the, the leash goalie came and snuffed out and speaking of the leash goalie he had a, a huge performance and poor leash man let me just think his name yeah Bro- Brocken O'Reilly had a super performance and he kept leash in it and it just shows if you don't take your goal chances and you keep a team in there, because Leash got a 21-yard free, um, scored the free, and suddenly, like, it was, you know, clear under the caution for the last 10 minutes. And uh, another 21-yard free kind of stopped on the line. And in a way, like, it was kind of a sigh of relief when Clare should never have been in that position. It just shows, like, the importance of a goalkeeper keeping you in the game. And I suppose, going back to the Munster Senior Final as well, just mentioning Quilligan and Quaid, I thought their puckouts were like lasers. Like the standard of puckouts now in Harlan is incredible. And you can even see that filtering down to the minor keepers as well. It's become such an important part of the game. And it's probably one of the, the main things now when you are picking a goalie, you're almost looking at their ability to puck the ball, you know, into the eye of the needle more so even than their shots happen come second now. But it, look, it, from a clear point of view, it is huge to get to an Ireland semi-final. Um, just last year, like there was kind of, everyone was talking about Clare underage being in disarray and it just showed that how quickly things can turn around and even if if we know Offaly are a superb side and they're going to be red hot favourites in this game but um, it's just the fact you're there and you get another day out um, you know the bigger the occasion just all experience for these guys um, from a player's point of view then I just thought we mentioned how the Clare half hour lane had a quiet game against Galway Jack O'Neill again three points from play centre forward caused the uh, leash back line, lots of trouble. And the two wing forwards, then Oregon and uh, Martin from Clanlara, they tipped in with, chipped in with two points each as well. So, like, I, kind of the Clare half hard already had an engine of the team. And when they're playing well, like, the team does perform. So, yeah, I think uh, that was the main thing against Galway. When those boys didn't fire against Galway, they're going to be in trouble. So, hopefully, now against Offaly, they'll get a big performance from the three of them again. So, yeah, look, and uh, talking about fixtures, um, like I don't see why Clare and Leash wasn't put on ahead of the senior game. 
And there's this kind of a reluctance in the GA now to play a minor match under 17s ahead of a senior game. It's like they're saying the occasion is too much for the players. I'd say ask the players. Ask the players, are they comfortable playing in front of the packed grounds? And I'm telling you, like, no one from being involved with a, a under 17 this year, no, no one from talking to the young lads, they want the bigger crowd there. They want to perform. And that's the experience they're going to get, like, is playing in front of crowds. like, And it's not like, you know, for the minor game, you're never going to have a packed out stadium for the minor game anyway. So it's not like they are playing in front of the, you know, full house yet. So I... I think the players would love to play in front of the big crowds. And this is going to be a problem now um, next weekend because the Clare and Offaly minor game is fixed for Thurless on uh, the Friday night at half seven. And then Clare and Wexford senior game is on down in Parky Cueve on the Saturday. So it's kind of madness. Like, again, the GEA fan expected to, you know, make a trip from, from Clare down to Thurless on a Friday night. And then, you know, less than 24 hours later, trip down to Cork for the senior game. And really, these games should be put on together. I'd agree, Rory. A little bit of pragmatism on the scheduling front, but should be required at this stage of the year. Uh, Kieran, bring you in in terms of the Leash Minor Hurlers. The campaign's over, but I think an awful lot of memorable performances here from that Leash team, and I suppose they've unearthed a few players, uh, particularly right down the spine of the team. I suppose Ben Deegan being very prominent in terms of the free-taking. Chirk Quinlan as well, maybe a little bit quiet in Ennis, only one point, but has provided an awful lot of good cameos and full forward. I think in the full-back, goalkeeper, centre-half-back, there's an awful lot of good talent coming through in this leash setup, and should bode well for Cheddar Plunkett going forward if they can produce more of these teams in the coming years. Yeah, I think we've talked about it as well in the past few weeks. Like The, the secondary, you see the up-and-coming teams, it's great to have a good young underage team, but like one isn't going to do it for them. Right? You know, they need to keep producing these players, and the work shouldn't just stop here. Uh, but I think from a leash point of view, looking back at the year, They'd be happy getting to a Leinster final, okay, obviously against a very good Offaly team. But yeah, Ben Deegan was probably the standout player for him this year. Um, maybe a little reliant sometimes on him, you know, for, for scores. But nonetheless, for the likes of an Offaly and, and Leash teams who are, have been starved, I suppose, really. And especially, I suppose, for Offaly, I grew up watching Offaly, you know, senior hurling, win on Ireland. And for the, the plum, you know, for the, the downfall they've had over the last few years, it's great to see teams like this coming back. And I think that awfully clear game will probably attract a huge crowd, Rory, you know, on, on the Friday night, because I think the awfully people, you know, we saw it in the Leinster final, they're they're really going to get behind this team and, you know, and stay with them. And, uh, you know, but it, look, all these teams up and coming, it's great for Hurling. Yeah, and, and the Leash, we're on, Leash had a very good under-20 team as well this year. They lost to Wexford by a point and we saw how close... Rex Wexford ran um Kilkenny down the final. Exactly. And even down in UL, we had uh, two very good hurlers, um, Niall Koss and Ian Shanahan was captain of our team uh, from Belnakill in Leash. And also um LIT uh, Noah Quinlan as well, um, another Leash hurler. So like there's serious talent around that age and hopefully like they follow it up next year with another, you know, very competitive minor team. I think at this level, you don't have to be like winning provincials or winning Ireland. It's just getting into finals, getting into the All-Ireland series, giving them more games. That's what's going to bring them on. So, yeah, look, it is it is good that to see Leash and Offaly in the Leinster final. And even, to be honest, like Clare had been struggling at minor level as well for a few years. And it is great to kind of, you know, get Clare back into the Ireland semi-final again. Um, you know, somebody has to step up and try and challenge the Limericks of this world. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I look and and Cork as well as you know they've been very dominant underage, 
for the last few years in Munster and uh, you know winning under 20 All Ireland's uh, under 17 All Ireland team last year were possibly the strongest minor team I've seen. A superb Cork team and you know it, there was a danger that Cork were actually going to dominate completely underage in Munster. So you know it, it is good to see a few other counties you know competing in the big games. Guys, we might leave it there. Um, many thanks, Rory and Karen, uh, for your insights and contributions as always. Uh, many thanks, guys. Cheers, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles, and reports.